the influencer marketing industry is set to grow to approximately 21 billion in 2023. And according to a survey by Influencer Marketing Hub, 23% of their respondents intend to spend more than 40% of their entire marketing budget on influencer campaigns. Yet it remains a complex area with many marketing leaders trying to figure out where it sits and how to measure it properly. Hi, I'm Connor Byrne, and you are listening to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. So today I'm talking all things influencer with Vanessa Sawyer, founder of the agency Get Stuff Done, where she is the matchmaker of multicultural talent and brands. Her agency's focus is to amplify multicultural voices through influencer marketing and beyond. Vanessa has appeared on BBC News and Channel 5, been a guest on the podcast series Influence, a judge for the annual Blogosphere Awards, and she's a regular speaker and expert on all things influencer business. So today I talked to Vanessa about her views on the influencer marketing space, the roles these creators play in the lives of those that follow them, and that's not too overstated, but really thinking about what brands make sense for creators to work with and how chasing the money just doesn't really work for them. Vanessa has some wonderful advice for creators who are starting out with some stark warnings to people about some of the representatives that are out there. And we get into some wonderful real life examples of her work with her clients like Lavana Back, Flavia Benko and Ashley Louise and the work they're doing with brands. And we also talk incredibly about Vanessa's near death experience. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Vanessa, thanks a million for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. It's great to have you here. No, thanks for having me. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, brilliant. Well, listen, let's get straight into it. I'd love to hear a bit about you, your story. and But first of all, let's start with Get Stuff Done. Tell me a bit about Get Stuff Done and um, what it's all about and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, so Get Stuff Done is a influencer marketing agency we represent talent and our niche is representing multicultural talent. So at the moment, we've got talent that are of African, Caribbean and South Asian heritage based in the UK. And my whole goal and vision is to amplify multicultural voices and experiences in, um, in the UK and beyond and from small screen to big. Amazing. And you obviously, you know, you've set this up for, for a reason, right? You're going, you know, you're doing this for a reason. Underrepresentation is a, is a huge issue in the influencer marketing and creator space. hundred percent. Um, I, I feel like, yes, we all live in the UK, but we are for want of a better saying a melting pot of experiences. So the way I would put it is, my husband and I are both African background, but his is um, black African from Ghana and mine is South Indian heritage from Mauritius. Okay. So culturally, we have a lot of crossovers, food, etc. But our household is still uh, is still mixed in terms of cultures, whereas my next door neighbours, they are English from the north of England and their household is very different from ours. So I want to be able to showcase that 
with the creators that we represent and the talent that we that that um the creators we represent and the the content that we create yeah yeah and then am i right do i hear a scottish accent in there yeah just to mix it up a little (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've actually been in london for trying to figure it out last night i think like 23 or 24 years so more than half my life so my accent is definitely softer than um it would be if i was living in glasgow however we have a, a Glasgow contingent in London, so when we get together, it is Glasgow returns. <laughs> is it like the elevation of the accent? Just, I adore the Scottish accent. Um, my my aunt was from from Scotland, and just you know, as a child, then I was just like, that's the most because she's the most beautiful person. I was like, that's the most yeah. beautiful accent in the world. Oh, so there you go. Lovely. <laughs> so I'd love to understand a bit about I, some of the. I guess, core marketing beliefs that you have that you apply to the work that you do? Like, what are the things that you kind of believe are really important from a marketing perspective when you're working with brands and and creators? And I, I hate to say it, but it's authenticity. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, the truth is, for me, everything in the world comes down to is underpinned by common sense and I know people will say that common sense isn't common but for me it's like if you are we buy based on recommendation before influencer marketing Mm -hmm. there was word of mouth and for me influencer marketing is the the evolution of word of mouth right so for me the belief is authenticity I will tell you that we went to the most amazing restaurant. You have to go there and Mm -hmm. this is the food. And you, because you trust me, you believe me, and because we're friends, you're going to go. And if I've told you a lie, you'll come back and go, (laughs) never going to trust you again. Yeah. So we just need to be really authentic with the content that we're creating and, and the reviews and the opinions and everything that we're putting out there good, bad, or indifferent. I feel like there's an element, a large percentage of influencers or creators, they're so caught up in money Mm -hmm. that they're chasing the money that it's like, oh, this person's doing really well. I'm going to follow them. But it's it's so not who they are as an individual, you know? Yeah. And I feel like we need to go back to that. Let's tell the truth because people can see through it. And that's where we then come around to de-influencing, you know, which is yeah. really annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's interesting on that point, like the, the restaurant example is a brilliant one. I, I did hospitality many, 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 many years ago. And actually, I nearly, I didn't go into it because I nearly burnt a restaurant down. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was not a great chef. Uh, but in in college, we had a lecturer, and at the time there was no social media, there was no mobile phones. Right, I'm really yeah. aging myself here. Um, but he used to say, like, if someone comes into your restaurant and has a good experience, this is the difference, right? If they have a good experience, they'll tell nobody, right? If they have a bad experience, they'll tell nine people. Now, I think the stat was made up, but his point was the bad experience actually got out there faster. But what kind of is interesting there, maybe with with influencers, um, is they they seem to tell the good story 
right? And so actually that bad, so if they're working with the, uh, let's say a restaurant and they're going in and they're having an experience, if they've bad experience, they're probably not going to tell that because it's, it might reflect badly on them as, oh, don't work with them. They'll tell the truth. Like, is that a, is that a big challenge that, that has to be overcome? And how, how do you overcome it? Ooh, so yes, it's a huge, it's a, <laughs> How do you it's a biggie. <laughs> um, it is. It's a huge. Ta- it's a huge challenge, and naturally, um, marketeers are not going to gravitate to those that are fully truthful because of the fear. But we need to overcome the fear. We need to go as much with the good and the bad. And I agree with you. I think you know one bad experience or thing outweighs ten good things. However. Yeah. What we need to remember is it's all about that nurturing the relationships and these influencers have built a community. And if you just tell them all the good stuff, they're going to drop off. They're not going to trust you. So you absolutely need to be telling the truth. And from a brand's perspective, own it. Yeah. Rather than worry about, you know, because people are going to go out there and badmouth your brand anyway or their experience. Just own it. Come back and say, right, be public about it. Get together with that influencer and say, how can we do better? Record that experience, put it out there and say, you know what? We heard what you said. We know that you're influential. What can we do better? Come in. Let me give you a consultant job, you know, like work with the influencer to say how it can be done better. Don't leave it out there for everyone to say, oh, I'm never going there again or I'm never buying that or, you know, because you've got a bigger hill to climb then, you know, for the next launch that you do or the next product that you bring out. You've got a bigger hill to climb. Nip it in the bud, bring the person in and you will gain traction from that influencer's audience as well. Yeah. Because they'll turn around. They literally will turn around and go, my God, did you see that brand? That was great because that's what audiences do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, and again, it probably goes back to that authenticity piece. Can't say that. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's hard for an Irish person. Um, but, you know, that piece of saying, yeah, we've, we've done, we haven't done it well and we can, we can do There's loads of examples of brands that do that and people do you know, really enjoy that. I did want to ask one question actually before we go too far into it. Influ- is it influencer? Is it creator? You know, what's the, what is the right term? And not that it's massively important, but I'm just interested because it seems to be, I know TikTok are like, well, they're, they're creators, not influencers. So like, what is the, is it, does it matter? Or is it just like kind of? I don't think it matters to be honest. Everyone's creating content and everyone is influential. Yeah. That's it at the end of the day. I'm not a content creator, nor am I a, influencer in the true you know meaning of the term has been put out there however i do create content and i do influence people namely my husband yeah micro influencer but an influencer (laughs) (laughs) um so a question then for i i think a lot of brands and marketing organizations struggle a bit with where this sits is it PR and comms? Is it social? Is it performance? Like where where does it sit in in an organization? What's your view on that? I think it sits across all of the above. Like right. I feel <laughs> sorry. I feel like, you know, why do we have to box everything? Because 
you know, that's how we were taught. That's how, you know, companies were set up. But we can evolve. We literally can evolve. It's like, you know, my background in B2B marketing, for example, it was like there's marketing and there's sales. But we had to work together because it's like, you know, marketing was always seen as the lower run of the, you know, the hierarchy and then sales were up here because yeah. they drove sales, but so did we. And if we worked together, we drove more sales, right? So I feel like companies need to evolve in their mindset because yes, we need it, it sits in PR because there is that broader piece yeah. of creating awareness, but absolutely we're doing it to drive sales. So then it has to, you know, we have to look at the marketing piece and we have to look at the data. So it sits across all of them. Yeah. And so then when a brand is, you know, thinking about this, because I don't think it, uh, sorry, this is wrong. Um, it's not, I don't think all brands think about it. I, I think possibly younger, newer brands are able to uh, do this faster because, the, you know, they can see that it has, has a place. And I, there's some great examples of, of brands that do that. Um, but maybe it's for some of the more mature brands. They That's where they kind of struggle. And, and what would your advice or if you're talking to somebody in kind of a a large organization that hasn't really got their head around this what would you say to them about how to get started and how to think about it i would say to them work with an agency that knows what they're doing and bring that agency into work with you as opposed to just you know giving the marketing we need to do influencer marketing giving it to them learning doesn't stop right we have to continuously learn. And that also means in the larger organizations, because the truth is, if we don't do that, as the <clears throat> the older generation, that may be us or one above <laughs> us, um, you know, as they start to retire out of those roles and the new people come in, their mindset is different. They are going to struggle in the traditional marketing PR setup, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. they need to work with organizations, work with agencies, bring them in-house almost so that they can set up a new, you know, new kind of way of working. Yeah. And actually, it's really interesting at that point, like, you know, we, we have to do influencer marketing. Like, it's probably just the wrong starting point. Like, it's the wrong question to ask or, you know, the wrong conversation is, oh, we should do influencer marketing. What? Like, why? Why? You know, like... I, it probably goes back to all the good stuff, like what's the business challenge? And then can influencer marketing be a part of that answer? And what is that, you know, how, how does that look then? Yeah, 100%. And, and then to the, the other point you're making there about kind of maybe a newer, younger generation, like have their heads around this. And so, you know, even within an organization, I think talking to people who are living it, you know, yeah. I, I have a team in Australia and there's, there's a girl on the team who is you know, fascinated by food. And so she uses her Instagram and she posts about, you know, her food experience. And she's, you know, a, a bit of an influencer in that, in that space. And it's fascinating her bringing that world into our world of, of mm -hmm. work and saying, here's some ideas I think we could do. And you're like, wow, like that's not, you know, oh, I never thought mm -hmm. of it, but it's just, she gets it. And so I yeah. think that's even the agency model as well is where, where you don't have that skills, bringing an agency in that, that does can, can really help. Um, and then how do you think about, to that point, of the reach of influencers? Like there's different types. We talked, you know, 
the micro influencer to the the large scale reach how do you how do you think about that and do you have different on on your roster of creators that you work with do you have kind of a range of large and small so ours are mainly micro influencers they always have been um I say they always have been, but the agency's not from an influencer yeah. perspective, hasn't been going that long. So <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're micro-influencers. And for me, it's more about the community that they've built and the quality that they put out there and their work ethic. And then I'll work with them. If you are someone that's that's in that wants to become an influencer or is creating content for clout, um, just to be seen and to to chase that money it's not someone that i i personally would work with so i think it's all about quality Mm -hmm. and i think it's all about the engagement the the true engagement that you have with your community and i'm not talking about numbers i'm literally talking about how you what value do you provide to your to your community you know yeah and then then we've got something to talk about Okay, that's interesting. So you're less concerned about if someone has 2,000 or 20,000 or 200,000 followers. It's more about the, the, is it the engagement? And so then is that the metric you look like look at? So if they post something that the percentage of people that they that follow them that are engaging with them. Yeah, 100%. 100% because that's the true the true meaning of influencer, right? They're influencing people to engage with their content, whether it's to buy something or not. It's just someone to engage in that conversation. Conversation builds community, community builds opportunity. So yeah, that's that's very much how I look at it. And then how do you work with brands on on the metric piece? Because that, that's a huge piece, right? And I think we've, I think anything in the social space has always struggled right because people are like well does that you know do likes yeah. matter for example yeah. right so with this like how do you engage with the brands you work with the creators to get meaningful results and then what are the part of the metrics that you look at i think the truth is where we are with the various different platforms working with brands directly cuts the platform out so no matter what quality what metrics the content is going to be downgraded um, on the platforms. We've seen it, everybody's seeing it. So the it's now about building the relationship with the brands and them seeing the relationship that the creator has with their audience. So yes, they're always going to ask me like follower numbers, um, you know, insights, etc. But it, I'm seeing it matter less and less now. I'm more about the engagement that they have prior to the actual ad going live, if that makes sense. So when we 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 give the results back, they just want to see it, but there's never any oh disappointment or anything like that. They know what to expect. The platforms aren't making money when we go direct to the brand. So they know they have to spend money behind it or just know that they've got some great content and created some awareness out there. Okay, so the brands are less concerned with a sale, for example, right? You, you know, if you're working with, I, I don't, right? Okay, so their their view is so this falls more into 
probably awareness or consideration okay. for the brand that people are experiencing it. And so they're less concerned about the tracking, the direct ROI. Yeah. I'm seeing it less and less. I'll be honest with you. You know, that's fascinating. Not, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not so worried about the metrics at the moment. It's more about the quality and that plays into where I see the industry or where I see creators moving, you know, um, as we move forward. I think that's fascinating. And, and I say that in a, in a world of, you know, I don't want to use the recession word, right? But, but there's challenges, right? Like marketing budgets are, are under pressure, right? And so the, the attribution to revenue that I see across, you know, people I talk to and just my own organization is, is intense, right? The, the need to actually prove almost everything that we're doing has that return. And so being able to say, we're going to work with influencers, but we can't actually attribute it. Like that seems like a massive hill for people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think as well, you know, traditionally from a marketing perspective, I look forward to recession years, you know, <laughs> because let's face it, they, the marketing budgets increase, right? We see, we see more where maybe a consumer needs to see something nine times before they make a purchasing decision in a recession year, they might need to see it 15 to 20 times. Therefore, marketing budgets increase accordingly. So for me, recession years have always been great. I loved it, especially working in sponsorship, you know. Um, this has been very different. This yeah. is the first time it's been very different where, you know, marketing budgets have been tighter, but we haven't seen a drop. In fact, like we've had the best start to a year than we've ever had before. Really? You know, yeah, 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 absolutely. Like my forecast for the end of the year, I'm like, oh, we need to change that. Um, you know, we've had the best start, but again, I think it's being very specific about the content that we're creating and the creators that we work with to make sure that we're amplifying that multicultural experience in the UK. So I think maybe we have a different slant and that helps. Um I don't know. I don't know is the honest truth. You know, our focus is very much to work with brands and with agencies to help them and make sure that when they're working with multicultural talent, that the briefs are right, for example, that they're culturally relevant. You know, so we're creating some strategic partnerships with some bigger agencies to make sure that we are part of that conversation, even at pitch stage, you know? Right. Okay. That, that is really, really interesting as well. I think the, the, the you know, um, being in, in a space where, you know, what's really, sorry, what's interesting, I think what you're talking about is you've got a, you've got a very specific area of, of focus, right? You're working with people that are true and authentic in that space. And so for brands who are trying to navigate that space, you know, coming to you just makes a ton of sense, right? And, and actually probably doing it through broad reach advertising might be more difficult. So this kind of, what kind of brands are you working with? So um, we're working with skincare, um, baby brands. So um, can I mention brand names? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, for example, um, for the last um, two years, we one of our creators, Flavia Benko, she's a mom, she's a flight attendant, she's a wife. I don't know how she does it all. Um, <laughs> she does it, and she creates the most exceptionally exceptional quality videos. Um, she's been a brand ambassador for Dove for two years. We're going on okay. to the third year. Um, and uh, who else? We're working with Fisher Price. Um, I can't think. We work with a number of beauty brands at like Beauty Pie. We love Beauty Pie. We're at Beauty Pie. Um, I can't think. Skincare, yeah. lifestyle. You know, there's no, there's no limit. We've just signed up. Um, one of the ladies to she's brand ambassador for Bosch for this year. So they're going to be showcasing some of their home. Oh, um, appliances, small home appliances, which is quite cool. So. Yeah, that's really, yeah, a very d- different, like wide ranging. Yeah. And so then I, when when that works, you're obviously co- brands or, or agencies are coming to you, you know, with client X, business problem Y, and then you're kind of going, okay, I think I have, yeah. you know, this, this person or that person, or are they coming to you saying, we're really interested in this creator and we want to work with them? Or, like, but, does it, or does it work both ways? Right, right. Both and also like we're building a bigger creator network, um, to so that you know we can't represent everyone exclusively. Again, I'm not I'm okay. not someone that's like oh they're amazing. I've got to represent them. I get a lot of people calling me for us to represent them, but you know there's only so much I can do, and we put a lot into the people that we exclusively represent in order to grow them. So we're building a wider network because they don't. I feel like there's people creating great content out there. They're just, they don't appear in, you know, when it comes to the performance tools, they they don't appear in those results. So I want to give them some opportunities. So we're building that network at the moment, which is great. We've got about coming on to 300 people on there and just building it out slowly. Amazing. Who do you admire in the space? Like what what brands are the ones you work with? Of course, you're all phenomenal. Um, but, <laughs> but which brands do you think have done this well and have kind of got their heads around it? So we have worked with with them, um, as I said, for the last couple of years. It's Dove. Okay. They've really, really got their head around it and understood what like their ambassadors and bringing their community with them means to the brand and it's not just on the product side it's on the purpose side so you know they've always had purpose built into the business which I wasn't aware of into the brand and um really using their influencer community to raise awareness of those purpose-driven goals I think is has been great you know um, so I think they do it exceptionally well. I think McDonald's as well do it exceptionally well. They, oh, really? You know, we were part of their Raise Their Arches campaign. Were you? Yeah, so one of the ladies that I represent, she her platform is actually Twitter. Um, oh. That's her, <laughs> her primary. <laughs> I say, oh, I'm on Twitter, but like, oh. No, but again, <laughs> that's her primary platform, um, and she's, she's grown – uh, a really loyal community there um, and brands are sleeping on it. You know, she's number one Twitter spaces host in the world. She does Love Island recaps every 
single night. The, oh, wow. You know, you've constantly got media on there looking for quotes for the next day regarding Love Island. And, and she's the one that's driving that. And brands are very much sleeping on the value of Twitter at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I understand why. Um, Ashley Louise. Okay. Have to check so she has, a, she has a show called Talks with Ash. And oh, her brilliant. hashtag is often trending. That's yeah. yeah, I I think you're it, it is interesting. Twitter is is an interesting space at the moment because you know, you see a lot of people kind of going, should we be on it? Should we not be on it? And you know, it it, it is it's a it's a I think it's a challenging one. And sorry, back to Dove. I think Dove is a fascinating yeah. brand. And I think it again, all the things you've talked about, it makes a lot of sense for Dove to be working, you know, with you and the creators because they've all, they've been about that authentic message for so long. They're yeah. probably one of the first brands to read. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll get this wrong. But they were definitely an early brand thinking about purpose. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, there's lots of questions about purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there was that famous thing, was it last year, where one of the investors in, um, it, was it Unilever said like, you know, does Hellman's need a purpose more than just being mayonnaise you put on mayonnaise. a sandwich, right? So, but I think Dove had that kind of, they've, they've had some beautiful campaigns through the years and very effective work as well. They weren't just award winning. They, they were, they were great campaigns. So you can see yeah. why and how they would work with, with influencers and in a more, you know, not that large scale kind of, as you said, the, let's call the micro for yeah. want of a different term. And, um, it is a risky space for brands. What can brands do to de-risk and, you know, in, engaging with, with um, creators and influencers? And I mean, and what I mean by that is you can't control what happens Correct. in their life. I mean, there's lots of examples. So what's your advice or thoughts on that? For me, it's building relationship with the community of influencers that you that you're working with and that you want to work with. You know, understand that they're not just a platform and they're not just a publisher for you. They're actually human beings and they have life issues and they've got, you know, they go through things. So understand that and, and treat them as human beings and not just as a number. However, I do understand that comes down to time as well. So often, you know, we work with some agency and the brand has given them two weeks to turn around and get content through the door. And it's like, I can't really care if she's sick. I just need the content. So I think there's a there's a balance there. But for me, it's it's everything is underpinned by relationships, right? And yeah, I mean it is. I I, I get that piece, but then, you know, what happens when the influencer or creator you're working with goes off and you know, does something stupid, <laughs> you know, and goes and, and gets themselves, you know, messed up in country X and, you know, whatever, you know, how do you, what does a brand do in that situation? Right. And, you know, there's, again, there's tons of examples of, you know, big influencers, but also small ones that, that kind of make mistakes that then reflect ultimately badly on the brand that they're working with. I don't think it's any different from <clears throat> when, you know, they work with celebrities and VIPs and they oh, cut gosh, ties, yeah. you know, it's exactly <laughs> the West, same. Right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't think it's any different. You've got to look at your, your priority is the, the brand reputation at the end of the day. So an inf- if an influencer is attached to you and they have, you know, made a mistake or 
And even if they, you know, they're remorseful after at the end of the day, your priority, you can, you can reach out to them and have an honest conversation. But at the end of the day, brand reputation is the most important thing if you are the recruiting brand. So yeah. cut ties. It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, there's a person at the end of that. So just have a conversation with them and say, this is what's going to happen. You know, we're fully supportive of you as an individual. However, this is business at the end of the yeah. day. Let's not get too caught up in the emotion of it. Yeah. And, and I guess there's, there are other examples of people who have, you know, this has happened to them and, and you know, they come, they come out the other side because, as you say, we're all human beings and exactly. we make mistakes. And I guess if you're in, if you're putting yourself out there, there's two parts. I think one, people are often looking to take you down. Yeah. Because I go, look at them. <laughs> look at them. They think they're brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's that part. And so the people look for it. Um, I can't remember the second part, but there you go. I think they're, you know, I think it is an interesting, um, it's an interesting thing. But I, and, I, and I do think that, you know, companies, I think before they get into this space, it is something that they worry about. Like, well, what yeah. happens if, what happens if? And so that can hold people back as well. Yeah, but as I said, it's no different because brands have worked with celebrities and VIPs for years, so they know what to yeah. do in that circumstance to so do exactly the same thing. There's no difference. Yeah, it is. It, it's definitely, it's, it's a really interesting, interesting space. And I was reading, you know, Adidas potentially are going to lose a ton of revenue, yeah, right? And, yeah. you know, like it's, it, and nobody, they couldn't have seen that coming. But, you know, no, not at all. They, um, one of the things then is, do you do you have any, not, not issues, but brands obviously have guidelines, right? We've got our mm -hmm. brand guidelines. This is our voice. This is whatever. And then creators are creators and they want to create. How do you bring those two together so that it allows the creator the, <laughs> allows the, creator the freedom to create, yeah. but that they're, you know, not hemmed in to the brand guidelines, but not going, you know, off. Is the guidance too far. Making sure that we get a creative concept agreed before we go ahead and film. That, right. That that's that's the measure of it. You know, the <clears throat> creator has a look at the brief. They come back with a concept. I will share it. If the brand comes back and says no, we want to do X, Y, Z. There's always backwards and forwards. But at the end of the day, the response from me is always like the reason why you want to work with them is because of their content if you try and put that in a perfect brand box you may as well go down the route of actors you know just go and mm. you know hire a space do a casting give them a script and let them do it that way if you want to work with creators allow them to do it in the voice that is authentic to them and recognizable by their audience and then you'll get the traction that you're looking for and it, yeah, it go probably going back to the the trust and the relationship. Build that relationship, build that trust, and and you'll find, and, yeah, you'll find. And it, look, it is a, I think it's a challenge with any creative process. Like we were just chatting to an agency last night about kind of creating some concepts for us and, and more of a, a brand, you know, scale. And and part of it was like, how do we how do we articulate the brand? values that we have but without hemming them in to say because we need something quite different without hemming them in and saying you have to stick to this and so it's really it, it's a tough one and then I think you're right like that you say to them look we, 
we trust and let's work together really closely yeah. because um you know i said to them i said look I, I please don't go away for three weeks and come back with an idea because it's that'll just be disappointing for everybody yeah. <laughs> like, so of course it, just, it doesn't work it doesn't work um and in terms then of platforms uh interestingly you know mentioning obviously twitter um instagram TikTok, are you working with people across all platforms? Do you see some working better for other things than, you know, do you, is Twitter better for one thing, like the TV show, or is Instagram better for food and fashion? <clears throat> I think from from my perspective, Twitter is, um, is great now for actual conversation right obviously people go backwards and forwards with their tweets but actually spaces has created that platform for you know for conversation <clears throat> instagram is great for um recommendation quality content and twitter is good for that kind of it's almost like the in-between of the two you know you've got an opinion you want you're you're quite happy to do it um, front facing and you can do it on TikTok um, and also for trends you know um, TikTok definitely sets the 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 plat is the platform for setting trends for right. sure and okay. um, are there any we've kind of touched on it a bit like that there's there's a huge amount of um, content out there and a lot of it just looks wonderful and people's lives are great and, and, and all that are there any risks that we're creating for the audience. Like I, so I have kids and young kids, but you know, the daughter is 12 and she's not on social yet, but that's coming. Right. I, you know, and I worry about the, you know, the exposure she'll get to the, to the perfect lives that people and creators put out there and the pressure it puts on them. And there's, just, you know, some horrendous stories of kids that have, you know, you know been badly impacted by that and, and I worry about it do you feel there's there's a risk of that we're creating this world that's so perfect and unrealistic 100% we fought for years about size zero in magazines we've gone back there whether it be yeah. like size zero or you know the hourglass with the BBL and you know abs 100% we're create that the platforms are giving, you know, um, space for people to showcase unhealthy images of what yeah. life should be like. And it is down to the platforms to take responsibility for that. 100%. And what I did, cause here's my thing. I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will because there's too much money in it. Yeah. What can your, not your, your creators, like, do you think they have a role to play in it? I mean, I think that just goes back to them being who they are and being authentic and showing true life, you know. Um, Lavina back, for example, she's a new mom, a new wife, and she will be very honest about the, the she's giving an unfiltered view of motherhood. She you know, where she's ready to go out and Sage is sick all over her or, you know, Sage had a Punami explosion in the train when they were on the way to London. She shows that very, like, okay. yes, I'm a new mom and yes, 
absolutely in love with my child. And so is the whole world, it seems, at the moment is in love with Sage. But this is the truth of motherhood. Yeah. I am not sleeping. Like Sage is full of 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 um of beans. So she she doesn't sleep. She's five months old and she's not sleeping. Like I'm exhausted. So I think it's important that those images, the truth yeah. is shown out there, you know, and not just um look at my love, it's wonderful. And this well, one that, little part yeah. of my living room that looks amazing and the rest of my house is a joke like yeah i mean look at the mess here (laughs) (laughs) that's not so bad at all (laughs) two dogs on the floor and (laughs) love that love that but i do yeah i i think that's and maybe then you know lavina is going to be somebody who is maybe she is you know already but will be more super successful because and again because back to your very start point with authentic but I, you know, having that, and then you know, saying this is this is real because there are so many out there that's like, you know, oh my wonderful life, and you know, all that. and look, I do it as well on my Instagram, like lovely picture of my kids, and we're all happy. I did post one once of like before and after, where like there was an ice cream incident, and it was like that's hilarious. But yeah. I think like we, I do it, you know, and, and I'm like, oh look, you know, the smiley happy pictures which is great because you do want you know those are wonderful moments that should be shared but yeah i think that of um you know how we kind of take ownership and and i think seeing that and having creators that are going actually i'm gonna i'm telling the full story because that's then real life and people will kind of um be drawn in drawn into it um, you you mentioned b2b marketing earlier do you work with any b2b brands um no not in the influencer space no um the the b2b side for me was um an event so i was at haymarket publishing pr week sc magazine and you know did all that so that was on the event side but it is coming like i think it's you know it's 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 a growing space linkedin are definitely plugged into you know the creator voices in there um and as actually the entrepreneur ship side of people grow i think that element of of the b2b influencer and i'm really interested in it you know well i i think it's fascinating as well i i, I think there's a huge um a huge untapped up opportunity i just don't know what it is uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i do i you know i think because i think here's the thing i think in b2b and i've talked to a few people on the podcast about this and um, i think in b2b we somehow when we th- go into B2B marketing, we have this, we create these personas in our head of people as unrealistic, you know, oh, business person, persona X, they're this and they're in an office and they're, no, they're human beings and they, you know, they get the train to work, they're in their car. Like, I think that reality somehow gets lost in B2B marketing. And so, you know. Oh, 100%. There was someone that did it really well, like a cybersecurity company did it really well and they did a um they did a marketing campaign campaign i can't remember who it was but that marketing campaign was for you know c- cyber security solutions for work but it was tv advertising and i can't remember who it was because i think like you say what people forget is that that cto or CISO or whoever they are they're a human being. They're watching yeah. TV. 
they're reading publications, they're reading the newspaper, they're scrolling through Instagram. There's the crossover there. You're yeah. targeting them as a consumer. They're yeah. going to take that information and put it into, you know, go to work with it. And that's where I think the crossover is that people are kind of missing. And I've seen one company do it. They did it with Intel. Intel did a great pull through oh. marketing activation. Do you not remember? Intel did all that um, that whole TV advertising of ding, ding. I can't remember what it yes. was. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. We we couldn't go and say, you know, we couldn't go to Intel and buy a computer. But what it did for us as consumers is that we went into the shop and said, we want an Intel processor. Because yeah. that, yeah. you know, that pull-through marketing piece was really, really genius for me. So I think it's going to be the same with the B2B side of things. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, well, I think probably, again, it's a, it's a thing where people are trying to figure figure it out. And, and, and you know, with pro- most things, I, again, I probably tie it to budgets are tight for people. And so that's a challenge. But I think there's probably an opportunity for people to, to test it and, and see yeah. how it might work. Um, but I think the challenge would be to be is going back to that point earlier of, we're going to look to tie it to revenue attribution. And that's, I think, mm-hmm. a challenge for you know, agencies things. and influencers to try figure that out because yeah. without that, I think it's going to be, it's going to yeah. be a slow burner for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a point. Um, before we finish, I, I did want to touch on your, your story a bit. And um, uh, it's phenomenal. You, you'll tell it better th- than I can but you were you were one of the people that not only got COVID but got massively impacted by COVID. Hugely yeah so actually it's coming on to three years now this month so I was um the three years have gone really quick um I was one of the first people the first wave of um catching COVID still not okay. sure how um <laughs> But yeah, I caught it and um, I just wasn't feeling very well. And and after a couple of days, we were having work done in our flat and we decided to book an Airbnb just to get away from the dust. And um, my husband came home and was like, oh, have you packed? And I just couldn't lift my head. And he checked my temperature and it was like 39.4. And he was like not panicking, let's just go by the hospital on the way to the Airbnb. Okay. So when we got in there within five minutes, the doctor came and saw me and said, oh, we think we're about 90% sure you've got the virus and the best way is for your lungs to rest, so we're going to put you into an induced coma. At that point, I was so exhausted. And, then, and also, they didn't know then because it was right at the beginning. It was like February. Oh, right. Um, oh, wow. Um. March, March, the beginning of March. Um, they didn't know that actually maybe ventilation wouldn't be the best thing to do. So I, I literally signed the form. I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Signed the form. Dudley was told to go home and uh, isolate for a couple of weeks. And um, I woke up. I don't remember anything, but after signing that form, I was so exhausted. I think I just passed out. But I woke up and it was like four, five weeks later. Oh. And I thought it was 48 hours later. Um, oh and then, 
Yeah, so basically a couple of weeks after they ventilated me, um, they induced me into the coma. They phoned um, Dudley and said to him, she's not going to survive the day. And then another consultant came in from another hospital, decided to try a different treatment called ECMO, which basically is a machine that cleans your blood. So takes your blood, drains your blood from your body, cleans it, oxygenates it and puts it back into your body. And there was only 16 machines in the UK at the time. I was the second person to be put on to the machine. Um, And luckily for me, it worked. And yeah, um, when I woke up, when they took me off that machine, I was meant to be um, ventilated for another three weeks. But after a couple of days, I kind of woke up myself. I started turning down the gases and I woke up. And if I'm honest, I'm so lucky um, Mm. because when you go on ECMO, you lose like your extremities gradually die because the blood's drained from your whole body and you've got these machines keeping all your organs going so a lot of people that have it coined up with amputations from the foot to the hands and stuff so literally the the worst that i've come out is that i've lost a lot of hearing on my right side i've got frozen shoulder and i've got some nerve damage on my left leg but me i'm Someone out there was looking after me. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh my god, that is phenomenal. How how has that changed you? I mean, that like there's such a huge thing to go through. Um, massively. Um, I still I'm still seeking. I think one of the things that I realised is that I've got purpose in life, and I'm not entirely sure what that purpose is yet and I feel like that's why I was you know came through this and the the big person saved me mm-hmm. and chose me out of all the people that were in you know any um in intensive care they chose me I was the only mm-hmm. person chosen for that operation and for that opportunity so I'm still seeking my purpose and maybe it will become clear now or maybe it will come clear in the future I don't know but I think for me, it's just taking every day as a, a true blessing and enjoying life and living for now. Um, yeah, I, I just as as the doctors always say, you're so positive. And I'm like, oh, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's amazing, and you know, your and maybe your purpose is. is- is what you're doing because you're you're connecting people you're finding a way to bring communities together and in in a very authentic way and you you know maybe. you're maybe maybe that that's it and that's you know i th- i think there's a wonderful thing there and you're helping you're helping people like in a way like i know sometimes when you're in a business you don't often see the broader picture i'm not getting real purposeful on you but i just think maybe maybe this is this is it and if people have a better understanding of each other and communities as a result maybe. of your work yeah, maybe, maybe this maybe, maybe this is your purpose i don't know maybe i i mean for me like there's a lot of people that come to me that i had a conversation with um a girl yesterday and i said i asked her you know we're not taking any any talent on at the moment but i said to her are you looking for management and she said oh i i you know, I'm not really in the position to take on management yet because I can't afford it. I'm like, 
what do you, what do you mean you can't afford it? I said, you don't pay for management. I said, you know, it's a payment on results. Yeah. You know, we bring you opportunities in, we take a percentage of it. And I said, um, but we put a lot of time into helping you get opportunities, et cetera. And she went, oh, that, that's not what I've been told. There's people that say to me that I've got to pay a retainer. And I'm like, what? Wow. Wow. It's, it's insane because influencer marketing is great. It's, you know, so many opportunities, yeah. but people that, and I wasn't an agent before, you know, someone came and asked me to, to be their agent. And that's how I fell into this space. But my background is sales. My background is sponsorship. My background is building relationships. So it's, it's transferable skills. Mm. Um, but when I'm hearing this, like people want to charge talent to be on their books. Come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's shocking. That, and so there you go, right? You know, it, you weren't able to take her on, but she's gone away knowing don't yeah. work with those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, and Vanessa, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Um, you are an incredibly positive person. Just even in this exchange here, you've got a, a wonderful um, energy about you. And I wish you the best of success with, with Get Stuff Done. And the work that you're doing, I, I, I genuinely believe that it's hugely important. And, you know, I say maybe this is, maybe this is the purpose. Maybe. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for asking me to come on. I really, really loved it. I love when Vanessa talks about being an influencer. I do influence people, namely my husband. I thought that was great. And as I said at the end, I find Vanessa to be an incredibly positive person. She radiates energy when you talk to her. We certainly work in a world now where being able to prove ROI is essential. That's not new, but I think it's definitely more and more important. And I think this is probably something that needs to be worked on a bit more for the influencer space to get closer to that. But at the same time, understanding the place it has in your marketing mix is important to figure out. It has evolved and matured, and I have seen firsthand the impact it can have on brand health metrics in a market where we have had no other brand investment. So I would love to hear your views on this topic. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to That's What I Call Marketing. If you did enjoy it, please do share, add comments with your feedback. You can, of course, get in touch with me and find all previous episodes on That's What I Call Marketing.com. Follow us on Instagram on That's What I Call Marketing. On Twitter, that's underscore marketing. And now you can watch our episodes back on YouTube. Yes. You guessed it, you'll find us at That's What I Call Marketing. So from me, Connor Byrne, thanks for listening, or if you watched, thanks for watching. And until the next episode, take care.